Welcome to this week's episode of Faster Masters Rowing Radio. Grab a seat at the table as Masters Rowing Coaches Marlene Royal and Rebecca Caro share their biggest secrets on how to unleash your hidden potential and plot a new course for real results on the water and off. Now, on to the show. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Faster Masters Rowing Radio. I'm Rebecca Caro, and I'm joined by Marlene Royal. Hello, Rebecca, and hello to our Faster Masters. It's good to be here today. Today, we are continuing our head racing series, and we're talking race plans, overtaking, and being overtaken. But before we dive into the detail, I just want to reflect on something that happened this week. We had our very first coach mastermind session. And Marlene and I were joined by a really fantastic group of master's rowing coaches where we were all involved in teaching learn to row courses. It was brilliant. It wasn't a show and tell as such, but it was a great sharing of information and a massive insight to us into the incredibly diverse, unique situations and how people problem solve for their own clubs. Yeah, it was quite interesting, even the the difference of the sizes of the programs that people, some people were running Learn to Row programs with 120 people and, you know, eight eights or nine eights. And some people were, their Learn to Row programs were groups of four people in singles. And it, it was incredibly interesting to, to hear how each club had their own way that they, they problem solved or des, I should say designed their, their program according to, um, according to you know, the specifics of their population of people, their weather, what type of water they're located on. Um, it, it was quite fascinating. So if anyone's interested in joining the next Coach Mastermind, it's a monthly call. Um, go search on our website or get in touch. Now, race plans. Don't go into a race without a plan. That's self-evident. And how to get going and make a plan that's right for you. Before we dive into the detail, we want to share that we've got a uh, free ebook on uh the ultimate guide to head racing, which includes some reference to head racing plans. We will put the link in the show notes and it's on the screen at the moment. But let's just kick off with Marlene. How do you form the basis of a head racing plan? Well, I think... Row the best race you can technically as good as you can as you fatigue during the course of the race. So, you know, I think we can always start with the assumption that everyone is going to row their best. Everybody is going to row hard. So I never really question the competitive desire if somebody is already getting ready to go to a race. So I think what we want to look at is, is, as the stages of the race progress, what is it that you have to focus on to keep rowing technically well and to remain efficient? Because if you don't have a plan in terms of your, your stroke rating or perhaps strategy of what you need to do at certain landmarks, 
Um, how do you handle different water conditions? You can easily row the beginning of the race way too hard and then just have the second half of the race not be very strong. And so, so we want to, to look at our race plan, what's going to help us be as consistent as possible throughout and rowing as aggressively as possible throughout the course of the race. So I like my athletes to, first of all, have a good sense of how much time is this race going to take you? Because if you if you're an aide, it's going to take a different amount of time. So that that's going to impact um, your stroke rates and how you can handle the, the distance. Um, and as we know, if you row in the UK, races are lots and lots of different distances as well. So this, this is an important thing. How much time is it going to take? And you know, what, what is the distance that, that you need to cover? And I think the next thing is to, to start getting a sense in practice when you're doing your race pace pieces or you're doing time trials, what is your most efficient stroke rate? And what I be, mean by efficient is what is the stroke rate that you can maintain technically well, focusing on moving the boat, and you're not going to start to get frantic and catch water and, you know, be overly nervous. You know, you need, you need to still be able to really focus on one stroke at a time and, mm. and row well. And I like to remind people a head race, if it's uh four, four and a half kilometers, five kilometers, that, that can be 600 strokes. So if you start thinking of it like 600 one stroke races, I think that starts to bring you into, okay, we've got to stay in the present. And this is a really big part of training in your race plan. What types of calls or technical points do you include in your race plan Use a phrase, but as mm -hmm. you get closer to the end of the race, you want to keep it like a word or a syllable because you're you're going to be getting more tired and more fatigued as you get into the second half. So, any technical points I think should be really simple at that point, just enough that every you know the crew knows what that means. That's so important because you can build an entire essay of meaning into a single word and it's important that your crew has a common understanding that when someone says catches this means I do this mm -hmm. and it cannot vary and of course you have to practice making a change after that call happens as well yeah absolutely and and one thing I I encourage people to do um whether you're a single scholar or, or you're in a crew or you're in a straight boat or a coxswain with a coxswain, write down your plan, write it by hand, not typing, write it by hand on paper and mentally go, th go, th you know, go through the, the key segments of the race based on your course and, and say, okay, for the first 1000 meters or the first minute, you know, some people like to think in time. Some people like to think in distance. So, but just after the start, we're going to focus on getting into our rhythm. In minute four, 
we expect to be coming up on such and such a bridge. As we come under that bridge, this is our call for catches and the crew knows what that means. So, you, you know, you have, every course is going to be a little bit different, but the, the, and a race plan does not have to be complicated to be effective. It simply um, has to, to motivate and relate to each person in the crew so that they understand this is, this is what we're focusing on the boat in this segment of the race. And this is if, and have a plan for mishaps, okay? What do you do if somebody catches a crab? What is your, gonna be your reaction of the boat to get back up to speed? So it's good to have a few backup plans in case things happen because things do happen all the time on the race course. And that's what makes for great conversations afterwards. So overall, when you're thinking about your race plan, it's about what do you need in order to be as efficient as you can while still maintaining your boat speed. And I sometimes describe it as if you think of hold your hand up in a horizontal line that's your your ideal performance and what will happen is you will dip below that line and a call brings you back to the line sometimes it can bring you slightly over the line but basically you want that amplitude of difference to be as minimal as possible in our practice this week we were working on a couple of key things one was that we felt that sometimes we were not timing our movement of our slides in the recovery together. And so we did some practice with our coxswain and we got her to call, you know, watch the slide. And we did that for 10 strokes. And when we focused on that, we moved better together. By the way, the symptom that this wasn't happening was that bow pair felt they couldn't get all the way to full slide to the catch, mm -hmm. that the catch was going in before they got there. And then we got her to layer on top of that a second call, which was for more power. So we then tested it out. Did it work better if we had more power first and then slide control as the second call? So 10 strokes, 10 strokes. Or was it the other way around where they called for slide control first and then more power? And this was a really useful experiment, both to showcase to the crew and to the coxswain, what was effective for us. So we did need to know what the change was and how to make the change. But secondly, the coxswain could then spot when we had gone off the pattern of movement and our slides had got out of sync and we worked out what was good for us. So then we have pretty much two one-word commands. Slides now, or on the next stroke now, and more power now. Yeah, and that's what's important. And you build, you develop these skills in practice. And, and then you, you see what's successful in practice. And then you say, is this something that should be part of our race plan at such and such a point? You know, what, you, you, know, you have to experiment with what works. And trials are very important when you're preparing for a race. And hopefully trials that are similar to the, to the distance or the time of your, of your most important race. Because make your mistakes in trials. That's what trials are for. They're to experiment, try different strategies, try different, a different focus. You know, do you want to go out strong and just say, I'm going to row this whole thing like a 2k race? Do you want to go out conservator conservatively and build up in the middle? It 
depends a little bit on your, your physiology, but, um, but, you know, experiment in a trial so that if you try a certain stroke rate and then you just find you can't sustain it, okay, let's give it another week. And then maybe, maybe there's another trial or another race, you know, in our programs, we include a lot of these little test type of workouts, which help you zero in on what you can maintain and what you can't. And it'll give you some pretty good feedback as to what is doable in a race. Um, but you have to, you have to experiment with that in practice and get a sense of, you know, where do you move the boat the best and not start spinning your wheels. Let's go on to talking about overtaking and being overtaken. So boats, rowing boats in general, take a long time to overtake each other. Unless you, one of the crews is vastly superior, in which case, why are you in the same race? <laughs> but even boats of different, you know, a single versus a double, um, certainly an eight versus a single is, is the biggest you know, speed difference there is. And yes, you could probably overtake quite quickly. But generally speaking, you shouldn't expect an overtaking maneuver to be fast. It's a slow, incremental thing. And until you've experienced that, it's quite demoralizing because you're not going to just do 10 strokes and suddenly find you're in front of them, generally speaking. Generally, what happens is you're taking maybe... 10 centimeters every stroke going a little bit faster a little bit faster a little bit faster and if you think your slide length is getting on for a meter so if it really is 10 centimeters every stroke overtaking one person may take 15 20 strokes because there's a couple of meters that is the cockpit size for each athlete so it isn't a quick thing. <laughs> yeah, and you have to again have a strategy for that, right? If you if you know the course, is it I mean, you might never know at what point of the race this is going to happen, but you can practice different scenarios. You know, what if it's a straightaway? What if it's on a turn? Is mm -hmm. are, you know, is is your coxswain going to call this differently or not? And and these are, you know, points you just really have to explore based on based on your course and um but you know there are things that are worth talking about as a crew or worth thinking about um as a single scholar is you know what is your most of what's your best way to do this you know that fits with your 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 mentality as well as your physiology because some people are Clydesdales and some people are sprinters right and you have to know what type of person you are to plan how long it might take you to over, overtake somebody. So in principle, overtaking, you want to move your boat a little bit further each stroke. So think of it as distance per stroke is your core metric that you're working on. Moving a boat further can be done generally in two ways. One is having more power through the water so that you are putting more speed into the hull. And the other is rating higher so that you take more strokes per minute. And as a general rule of thumb, you can your boat will probably move at least one length, one boat length per stroke. So your overtaking maneuver, whatever you choose to do, is going to take energy. And so you need to be able to be rowing efficiently 
in this new mode, whether it's more power mode or it's a higher stroke rate mode or a combination of the two. The critical thing, of course, in overtaking is you've got to do the overtaking maneuver and then keep going so you don't drop back and lose the ground that you have gained on the other crew. So what are your tactics, Marlene, that you like for overtaking? Well, I think once you start to put your foot on the pedal, you've got to keep it going. And, um, and you know, you need to make sure that you're, you're not losing length in the water. You need to make sure that you're maintaining or increasing speed. But I think, I think because it can take a long time or it could be happening on a turn, um, you know, you have to, you have to be really tough as nails and, and you have to stay at it because, you know, so many races come down to the last 10 strokes. And, and even in races like the head of the Charles or other head races, um, if you look at some of the finishing times, there might only be one second between first and second place. So, you know, there, there's just no room to let up. And if you can, you know, just be in good enough shape that you're, that you know that you, you can overtake and that you can maintain that speed and, and pull away. Um, if the crew is weaker, obviously it's not going to be that, that much of that hard, but you have to remember there's other people on the course who are doing the same thing. And, you know, and if you can see them and, and the distance is staying the same and it's like brutally staying the same until you're getting very close to the finish line, you know, you can have incredibly close times. So I think when you're overtaking, you know, you, you can't be comfortable just getting by them and then kind of feeling like, okay, we did it because you don't know how other people are performing out on the course at the same time. And, you know, that's so that, true. Yeah. yeah, and that's very different than than when we're doing our sprint racing and our side by side racing. You know, you can if you know the handicap, you can see what's happening. But but in a trial format, you absolutely don't know who's in front of you or who's behind you who may be moving at a faster speed. So I think that does light the fire under your pants a little bit. <laughs> In the same mode, being overtaken is a game of psychology as much as of your uh, skill and effort in the boat. If it's clear the other crew is faster than you, your job, if you are being overtaken, is to do your utmost to make it hard for them. So you also need to keep your stroke length. You need to keep your power. You need to keep your rhythm. You need to make it as difficult as possible. If you are a steers person in the boat or if you're in a coxless boat and you are you know in charge you're in the bow seat and you're in charge of steering do your best to take the straightest possible line without impeding their advance so don't make it easy for them by immediately steering away from them and giving them a clear run make them work hard for it now they will yell at you and you do need to stay within the rules of the race. But I think I've probably told this story before about being in a double at the head of the Charles. And we're coming up to the long bend, which goes up to Cambridge Boat Club. And there was a crew coming up behind us who were faster than us. And they turned around and they yelled, yield, yield, which 
A is funny to an English person because yield <laughs> is not a word we use. They're going, yield, yield. Yeah, right. And we held our course. And what actually happened was we took a very tight line around the inside of the bend and they didn't take as tight a line. So they kind of zigzagged way off to our left. We just carried on doing our thing, doing our thing. They got back on course. They corrected their steering. They came at us again. Yield, yield, you know, and we kept pushing on and they did the same thing again. And they didn't actually overtake us until after we had gone under that bridge and we were coming out of the bridge and getting toward the finishing straight. So that was getting on for a kilometer of two crews having a little dogfight of their own. They were motivating us. We were fortunate that we were better at steering than them, but they were definitely faster in straight line boat speed. But we made it hard for them. And they were probably really mad at us. <laughs> I'm sure they were. <laughs> we didn't care. Right. But we didn't get penalized. And they did eventually get past us. And yes, they did beat us. But it was a fun, fun little, you know, mano a mano kind of contest, a gladiatorial moment in the race that got us the best possible result that we could have got and tried our best to deny them a good result. Right. And, and as long as, again, looking, you, you have to look at every circumstances and how it's unfolding, right? Because sometimes there might be more than one boat overtaking. There might be two or three boats at the yeah. same time, especially around around a, a big bend. But um, you know, but but the, the point is is you don't have to make it easy for them. Just try not to break the rules so that you get a minute penalty. You know, try to avoid that, avoid the penalty, but you do not you do you do not have to to yield to them. <laughs> you don't have to yield to them. You can make it difficult for them. And and you 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 can judge whether you are directly interfering with a crew or not. And and if you have a better course than they do, I mean, that's that's their fault. There's their problem that if if they were in the correct course or a better course, then you might have had to give way to them. But since they didn't take that course, you actually didn't really, you know, you didn't create a set a situation that would create a penalty. Precisely right. So get on with your head races. Remember the Carlo Zezza book, Winning Head Races, which is available on all good bookstores, as they say. And get in touch with us if you are interested in joining our coach mastermind. We're quite keen to expand the group. And if you get on the coach mailing list, we will tell you what the next month's topic is going to be. Next week, we are continuing our head racing series. And we very much look forward to seeing you again next time. Till then. We are part of the Rowing Chat Podcast Network. Please tell your rowing friends about the show. And if you've learned just one helpful thing from today's episode, please consider supporting the show for as little as $1 per month by visiting fastermastersrowing.com forward slash podcast.